Well, good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Welcome you all to this service, especially the visitors. Thanks for joining us. We trust that we have all gathered this morning to worship the King. When Timothy said he's going to read in Matthew chapter 3, I thought, oh, he almost read what I was going to read and preach about. I'm going to preach about Matthew chapter 2, the first 12 verses. So let's begin by reading that. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel." Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasure, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. <clears throat> Now, I realize that it's not Christmas time, but there are so many things that we can learn from this account that have nothing to do with Christmas that I think it's very good to look into. <clears throat> As I read this account and thought about the wise men and what they were, their thoughts it appeared like and what they were seeking after. I was just impressed with their faith. These were truly men of faith. I'm surprised they weren't listed in, the, in Hebrews 11. By faith, the wise men made a long journey to worship the king. Because truly it took a lot of faith. Faith like we don't see many other places in the scripture. I think they put us to shame. In fact, I'm sure, they, I'm sure they put me to shame in what they went through and, and their faith in seeking after Jesus. Now, there's a lot of uh, stories written about the wise men in books and even songs written. And they would indicate that there's three wise men, but we don't know that. It doesn't give any indication except the fact that there was three gifts, which doesn't really mean that it was three, and it doesn't say they were riding on camels. 
They may have been, but it doesn't say that. That's all just supposition. But there's a few things that we do know. Even though it's a short account, it would be interesting to have more details. But it's a short account, but it's written in such a way that we can see many things through this if we take a little bit of time to study it. We do know that they were wise men. It says there came wise men from the east. And I don't think that it just means they were endued with a special gift of wisdom like Solomon was. It would more refer to uh, men that were seeking after knowledge beyond what the common man was going after. And it would appear like they were looking in the heavens, looking at stars, and seeing how stars align themselves. And maybe we could call them philosophers, thinking deeply about the things of life and trying to find answers for life. And it also doesn't say where they came from, except they came from the east, somewhere east of Jerusalem. And we'd like to speculate where they came from. To me, it would seem to make sense that they came from the land of Babylon. Remember many years ago that Daniel was a captive in Babylon, and He was famous for his exploits for God, some of the great things that he did. And because of that, he convinced many people to worship the true God there in the land of Babylon. Because of him, two kings actually acknowledged the true God. The first one was Nebuchadnezzar, when Daniel interpreted his dream, and then he was driven out from men for seven years. And after he came back, he said, now I know that... God on high reigneth, and he wants everybody to worship the true God. And then also later the king Darius made a foolish law, and which ended up making Daniel go into the den of lions, and God saved him out of those. And afterward the king Darius said, now I know that the true God reigneth, and he wants everybody to worship the true God. And back in those days, if a king makes a decree about what God to worship, everybody worshiped that God. So I would guess that there was lots of true worship going on in Daniel's time. And we also know that Daniel was a prophet and wrote down many prophecies. So I don't know how many years after this was, maybe 500 years, 400 years, were there still men seeking after God in the land of Babylon? Were there still men studying Daniel's writings? It would appear like that's what was going on. The only thing it says that convinced these men that there was a king born was that they saw a star. They saw a star in the heavens and, oh, there's a king in Jerusalem. But if they would have been studying Daniel's writings, they would have been expecting a king born in Jerusalem, a king of the Jews, and a star only confirmed what they had been reading in the prophecies, which would seem like that would make sense. They were reading the prophecies, they were waiting for the king, and then they saw the star and said, ah, that's what that means. Let's go worship him. 
A star showed them the time and the place and that something special had happened and it fit in with the prophecies they were reading. Now, do we, we don't know, but was it an actual star? Like our sun is a star. Was there a new star that God created for this special purpose? Don't know for sure. But we also know that when Jesus came that the shepherds saw a great light. Was that the same light that the wise men saw? And other times in the Old Testament, God showed up as light. When Moses was in the presence of God, his face became so bright that people couldn't look on his face because of the light of God. But anyway, they saw a light in the sky that was very evident to them that something special had happened. And they decided that it was the king of the Jews. Now, we often think of this star as shining in the sky and going before them as they travel to Jerusalem. I'm not sure that that's actually what happened. It says in verse 2, We have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him gives the impression that when they were in the east, they saw the star. And they decided that a king was born, and we're going to go worship him, so they took off for Jerusalem. Not necessarily being guided by the star all the time. And as they went, they may have had doubts at times if they couldn't see the star. Did we really see right? Are we really supposed to be making this journey to worship the king? We don't see the star anymore. But they kept on going. They pressed on in spite of the difficulties and doubts that they may have had because of their faith. And as I thought about this, to me it seems unusual that men would go that far. Probably 800 miles across a desert to worship a king in another country that they thought was born. They didn't hear any clear reports that somebody told them. I don't think they even had a voice from God saying, there is a king born, go worship him. But they went by prophecy and the star that they saw. 800 miles across the desert, they had to carry all their food and water. There wasn't a hotel every 100 miles to stop at. They had to face all kinds of weather, heat and cold and rain, maybe, maybe not in the desert, wild animals and thieves, going to a place that they weren't even sure where they were going. They were going to Israel, but they didn't know where in Israel. Would we go to that much effort to go see a baby that we don't know for sure where he is, we don't know his father or mother, it's in some other country? 800 miles is a long way to travel, you know. It would take us a long day. Even though we can stop every 25 miles for food and drink and whatever we want, and our vehicles are air-conditioned if it's hot and heated if it's cold, and we have cruise control. and Our biggest problem as we travel is trying to stay awake. But that's pretty tough, you know. That would be quite a journey for us. <clears throat> 
Sometimes it seems going 10 miles to worship at church is barely worth the effort, let alone 800 miles. But these wise men were willing to do that. I would guess it took them, well, if it's 800 miles and they make 20 miles a day, it would take them 40 days to get there. 40 days of riding on a camel, maybe, which seems kind of uncomfortable. A horse would be nicer, but... Anyway, they, somehow they got there. They got to Jerusalem because that's where they would assume a king would be born, in the capital city. And I don't think they went to see Herod, first of all. It seems like they came into the city and just started asking people, where is this king born? There's a king born because we saw his star, a king of the Jews. Oftentimes in those cities, they had elders sitting at the gate that would talk with the people that come into the city. So I would imagine they asked the elders at the gate, where is this king that is born king of the Jews? And everybody probably was like, what are you talking about? We don't know anything about it. Plus, to them it seems strange that it was a king that was born. Because normally, when a king has a son, he's called a prince. He's not a king until he gets older. And they don't know for sure which son is going to be the king, maybe. But it says they, he was born king of the Jews. Here was a special prophecy. He was born a king. Well, that caused quite a stir in Jerusalem that these strange men from the east came to worship a king that had been born in Jerusalem and nobody knew anything about it. People started talking about it and pretty soon Herod heard about it. And he was not happy to hear about another king because he was very paranoid about anybody that would try to take over his kingdom. If he had any hint of somebody doing that, he would kill him first and then ask questions later. He had actually killed his own wife and several sons because he was afraid they were going to take over the kingdom. So there was nothing that he would leave undone in order to preserve his kingdom. So when he heard that there was another king born in Jerusalem, born in the Jew, for the Jews, he was very upset. Somehow he's going to have to take care of this problem. And it also says that all Jerusalem was troubled with him. And I don't know if they had the same feelings that Herod did. I would think they had the opposite feelings probably. Because when Herod gets troubled, bad things happen. Heads start to roll because he doesn't stop at anything. And if Herod's upset, then the whole city is on edge because bad things are going to happen. So the first thing Herod did was he decided to talk to the wise men himself. And no, first thing he did was talk to the scribes and Pharisees. Where is this king going to be born? And here it says, where is Christ going to be born? I don't know if he called him Christ or if that's just the way it was translated. Where he would actually be willing to get rid of Christ the Messiah in order to preserve his kingship. I don't know for sure. But anyway, the scribes and Pharisees knew right away where Jesus was going to be born. 
They pointed to the prophecies and said he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Not in Jerusalem, but in Bethlehem. And it appears that the scribes and Pharisees didn't really care. That here were some men that said Jesus was born, and the scribes and Pharisees said he's in in Bethlehem, so they should have been all excited and said, we want to go to Bethlehem and see him. But it appears like they just stayed right there and didn't bother going to see Jesus. And we tend to make, to feel like they were, they weren't very spiritual because they didn't want to go see Jesus. But think about the position they were in. Talking to Herod himself, who was willing to kill anybody that would uh, promote another king. And if they would have been excited about going to see Jesus, they would have probably been killed. I don't know if some of them later went over to Bethlehem to look for Jesus or not. But at this point, they had to act very unexcited about it. So next he called the wise men and talked to them and asked them exactly when they saw the star. He wanted to know all the details about this. And told them that he's probably born in Bethlehem. So go and worship him and then come back and tell me where he is so I can worship him too. So they left King Herod and headed for Bethlehem. And it says as they left there and headed for Bethlehem, they saw the star again. And their response was very interesting. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. To me, that indicates that they probably hadn't seen it for a long time. And now that they had direction to go to Bethlehem, here all of a sudden they saw the star again. Oh, this was just so exciting for them because they were probably had some doubts along the way. And now suddenly their journey was confirmed. This is what they were supposed to be doing. And they were very happy to see the star. And it led them right to where Jesus was. says they went to the house where Jesus was. They didn't go to the stable because Jesus was not in the stable anymore. Oftentimes we think that the shepherds came at 6.30 in the evening and worshipped Jesus and then the wise men showed up maybe at 9.30, the last thing before they shut down for the night, you know. But No, it was way later when the wise men showed up and they were in a house at this time. And it probably wasn't a fancy house. It was probably a pretty humble house. So how would these wise men feel when they were spending all this time and effort to go see a king and then they come to a house that, just a lowly house, just a common house. You mean there's a king in here? But it didn't seem like that mattered at all to them. This is where the star was, this is where the king was, and we are convinced that this is the real king. So they went into the house and saw Jesus and Mary, and they fell down and worshipped. And it says they worshipped him. Some people worship Mary, his mother. But it says they worshipped him. 
This was their whole culmination of that hard journey that they made to come and spend several hours worshiping Jesus and giving him gifts. It would seem like anyway it was just an hour or two. It wouldn't seem like they stayed for several days. Can you imagine all that work to go and worship Jesus? Just to worship Jesus. I shouldn't put that just in there. That was, when, I, when you stop and think about all they went through for just an hour or two of worship, <clears throat> they truly had a vision of, of things beyond this life, didn't they? And I wonder what their worship was like. You know, when we worship, we sing, we pray. Did they sing and pray? I don't know. We know that in falling down before him, they were acknowledge him, acknowledging him as their king. Even though they were from a different country, they acknowledged that Jesus was their king. And they gave him good gifts. They didn't come empty-handed. They knew if they were coming to see a king that they need to bring gifts to him. I mean, I don't think they would have even considered going to visit the king without taking something along. Do we take things along when we come to worship Jesus? What do gifts do we bring to Jesus? Well, it says they brought three different kinds of gifts. First was gold, which typifies Jesus' kingship. Kingship. Gold is fit for a king. They brought frankincense, which would be a type of prayer and worship. You know, incense goes to God as the prayers of the saints. That Jesus is worthy of praying to and to be worshipped. And the last was myrrh, which was a spice that was used for embalming purposes. So this would have been typifying his death. So let's go over some of these points, just kind of focus on the different points. I have seven different points that we can learn from this account. First one is that earnest seekers are rewarded. And definitely these wise men were earnest seekers. Even though they were in another country, they were studying prophecy, and they were waiting for something. They were waiting for a revelation or divine leading, and they were rewarded. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says, And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And truly that was what the wise men did. Searched for him with all their heart. Number two, to find the king is worthy of our greatest effort. Do we really believe that? Are we willing to do that? Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Take up our cross and follow Jesus. Number three, don't give up if our star disappears. Press on in faith when things become unclear. 
If we have a vision of what God wants for us, a clear calling for something, don't be surprised if our star disappears, so to speak. We don't see that instantly fulfilled and we, it becomes cloudy and we don't see the way clear anymore. But if God calls us somewhere, don't be worried if the star disappears. <clears throat> but press on in faith. Number four, be ready to ask for counsel. When the wise men came to Jerusalem, they asked for counsel. Even though people probably kind of looked at them cross-eyed. That's a funny question. But they weren't afraid of that. They wanted to know. They asked around in Jerusalem. And then the interesting thing is that their answer actually came from the word of God. Um, they had a revelation from the star and they had the prophecies probably. But the clear direction came from the word of God. It wasn't just um, something beyond themselves like a sign in the sky. But now their direction came from the word. <clears throat> he was to be in Bethlehem. The next one, number five. When we meet the king, we will bow before him and worship. Now, I didn't say when we meet the king, we should bow down. We need to bow down. When we meet the king, we will bow down before him. If we truly meet Jesus, we will bow down. Confess our sins and own him as our king. <clears throat> In Revelation, it talks about that several times. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. It seemed like it was a response they couldn't help themselves from doing because of who Jesus was. <clears throat> Number six, the wise men gave him gifts, and we need to give him gifts too. What do we have to give him? Ourselves, our heart. <clears throat> and then number seven, after we meet Jesus, we go a different direction. The wise men didn't go the way they had before to come. They went home a different way. And we too will go a different direction after we meet Jesus. <clears throat> of course, they were warned in a dream not to do that, but I think it can apply to us too that we go in a different direction when we meet Jesus. So I hope that you were inspired by this, as I was. The great faith that they had and just to be able to look beyond the things of this life and the things that are truly important, that truly matter, and to go after those things. <clears throat>